Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to a brand new week here of the Steve Day Show, live and on demand, but really not all that much in demand. But somebody's got to be here, so why not us? I am Steve Dace here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And a couple of quick housekeeping notes here on the show. Number one, tomorrow we are going to do a special edition of the Steve Dace Show just to show you how things have changed. This is something I, this is another thing I would have never guessed. I would find myself doing even earnestly and not non-ironically at any point when I got into this business 17 years ago, full time. But uh, just as we have done for Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, by popular demand, we are going to do questions for RFK Jr. as a presidential candidate on tomorrow's show. I when I got into this business, I did not anticipate I would be doing non-ironic analysis of the merits or lack thereof of supporting a Democratic president, presidential candidate. But here we are in the era in which we live. So we are going to be doing that on tomorrow's show. Make sure uh, you don't miss that. Uh, also, um, just want to thank my outst- just incredible wife for the surprise party that uh um, she threw for me on Saturday. You guys did a great job lying to me the entire time. I mean, I even called you about something Saturday. You asked me what I was doing tonight, yeah. playing it all off very casually. Well done, Todd. You did that well. Yeah, like your shirt too, by the way. And, Yours as uh, well. Yeah, thank you. And, <laughs> this is the second time this has happened in a week. Go team. People are going to start thinking we are coordinating on purpose here. No, we just care that little about that, that's I mean, really what it is is it's just our standards are simultaneously that old or that low because we are now that old yes. you know i turned 50 and i mean we had uh, numerous people fly in for this event it was fun including um you know gaston and sarah from here at the blaze gaston mooney and sarah gonzalez and uh just it was a great night great event and uh I- i'm beyond honored and uh, just wanted to say Thank you to everybody that was there. And um, if you want to see the video, it is up on my Twitter feed, at Steve Day Show. I think that thing's got like 60,000 views right now. So, um, and uh, a medical update. Uh, you guys know last week when I was in L.A., just lost hearing in my right ear suddenly. And uh, ever since last Sunday afternoon, it has felt like um, fireflies on a summer night just going off in my right ear the entire time. Finally got in to see the specialist today, and and here's where we are. There is no evidence of any infection in my ear. Um, They have seen an uptick in these kinds of cases here in the last couple of years. Um, My own Now, this part is my own personal opinion. Um, I think it is what I said a couple of years ago. None of us know the long-term ramifications of exposure to this virus of malicious origin and this uh, jab of questionable to malicious origin. And so we are all at this point experiments. That's my own personal thought. Uh, But back to what I was told this morning, Um, there is nerve damage behind my eardrum of quote, unknown uh, origin and cause of 
I've, had, I've heard this one before. Um, and my eardrum is working perfectly fine. My ear is completely intact um, on the right side. Some nerve, a nerve was severed, and that is why the sound signals are not properly going to the brain. And so it's like my brain is like on another channel, and it's broadcasting this firefly sound instead. All right. So um, I was on steroids last week. They are going to up that this week. I actually took a steroid injection into my ear, my eardrum, actually, this morning. And that was kind of not cool. Um, And then um, I've got to do two more of these. I'm going to be on then I'm going to be on oral steroids of a higher dosage than what I was even on last week. Um, As soon as the steroid hit my ear. I immediately felt real dizziness. And the doctor told me that was probably a good sign, that there is still now some sensitivity in that nerve that it reacted that way, okay? Um, And uh, um, I am told 70% odds that the steroid injections will work enough that I am able to to wear a hearing aid, uh, or 30% odds that it will be fully restored. That's what I was told this morning. So at least now we have a plan, you know, we have some idea. There's a, it's a 98% chance it's this nerve. It's a 2% chance there's a tumor back there. So they will do an MRI, but that's almost never the case. Um, If you do have a tumor back there, that always causes this. But almost every time you have this, it's not a tumor back there. But they just want to make sure and rule that out. So um, here's where those two things are going to impact the show. When you you, you you hit these milestones, right, and you start realizing where you're at in time. And uh, yesterday I, I came out of the movies and heard the news that uh, one of my mentors, the great Jan Michelson from WHO Radio, died. And uh, Jan had... Numerous. We've, we've actually turned numerous people from this media market in Des Moines into national media people. Several of them on the sports side, me on the news side, but many years before I emerged, Jan Michelson was given all kinds of offers to go onto bigger platforms, and he just loved Iowa and he stayed. And he was uh, a great man, maybe the most brilliant man I've ever known on a human level. And his genius was only surpassed by his graciousness and generosity. I mean, he was a true Renaissance man. And at about my age, he, um, about my age, 12, 15 years ago, he suffered a sudden stroke. And he was in excellent shape, just suffered a stroke, and just it, it made doing this for a living very difficult. And he's been in retirement largely ever since and then passed away yesterday and he's a, he's certainly an individual uh, that I would not be where I'm at today um, without him I mean he saved me from myself on several occasions he made me a he made me a better broadcaster and man for sure and for that I am eternally indebted well done good and faithful servant thank you but when you have that event you turn 50 and you're halfway across the country, and for no reason whatsoever, half your hearing goes out. It crystallizes some things for you. And this may be the steroids talking, but 
this is another reminder to go for broke. Don't worry about where things are going to be at six months from now. Don't worry about where things are going to be at a year from now. I mean, don't be unnecessarily dumb or reckless. That goes without saying. But, you know, constantly, you know, what will you guys in the audience tolerate if I do this? And what will management tolerate if I do that? I've never done much playing of that math anyway. Frankly, I wasn't making enough money to even consider that. For the first time, I'm making real money in this business. And I want to make sure everybody understands I'm still not going to play much math and consider that. In fact, I think I'm going to probably play it even less than I was thinking about 72 hours ago after that confluence of events. Because time is short. And any day, I, any day could be the last time I have an opportunity to talk to you. Any day could be the last time I have this platform and access to it. So I don't, I don't care very much anyway what the business considerations are of saying certain things to you. Um, the last 72 hours has convinced me, I just think you should know, to care even less than that. A lot less, in fact. Time is short. My time is short. The way we're trending culturally, all of our times could be short. So I just want all of us here, starting with the two of you that work by my side every day, we're not going to be libelous. We're not going to bear false witness. We're not going to slander. Um, we're not going to be irresponsible, but we are going to swing for the fences. We are going to go for the throat. Time is short. Must redeem the time. That's one of the reasons we have partners like our friends over at Jace Medical. Remember when we were told we faced the existential crisis of our generation? We had to shut our way of life down. Otherwise, hospitals would be overrun and scores would die. And then, of course, when it was shown that some medications that had been on the market for years and in another case, decades, might actually help alleviate said crisis. They told us suddenly that, well, these things are unsafe and need to be uh, 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 recategorized. And so they introduced the Jace case over at Jace Medical. Just in case these were the next venerable antibiotics and medications that they told you you couldn't have access to right when you needed them the most. Well, hopefully you've got that Jace case. They still offer that, but they're going next level now. They want to help you back up your existing medications just in case there's another emergency and your medications are on the hit list, all right? Um, get the discount with Dace at checkout, my last name, Dace at checkout for the discount. But go to jacemedical.com and make sure you are prepped and prepared just in case from our friends at Jace. Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Again, that's jacemedical.com. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Carol Roth will join us about her new book. Next hour, because who knows how many of these opportunities we're going to get. We got a chance in Iowa over the weekend for Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump to share a stage, not at the same time, but to share a stage in front of the same audience for the same amount of time. We are going to play both of those both of those speeches and then react to them in real time, but let you hear them back to back as people in Iowa did. And then uh, there's an important vote happening in August in Ohio, and we're going to talk about that 
with uh, a representative from Ohio Right to Life. So all that and more coming your way right after Aaron tells us what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Is This Bad? According to reports from numerous outlets, Donald Trump's political action committee has spent more than $40 million in the first half of 2023 on legal bills. That figure is more than any other expense the Save America PAC has incurred during Trump's 2024 presidential campaign and is more than the campaign itself brought in during the second quarter of 2023. Also, Trump spoke to a sparse crowd in an eerie Pennsylvania arena. In response to that crowd size, Trump superfan Charles Down posted a video from a rally in 2020 and tried to pass it off as being from the rally over the weekend. Community notes on Twitter got him. Moving on, Ron DeSantis has been hitting the campaign trail hard. Just this morning, he was in New Hampshire unveiling his 10-point economic declaration of independence, which includes unleashing American energy independence, reining in ESG standards in corporations, and reining in the Federal Reserve. Also on the campaign trail, DeSantis gave perhaps his most pointed pushback against constant smears from one Donald Trump. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of the stuff when he when he hits me with the, with the uh, juvenile insults, I think that helps me. I don't think voters <laughs> like that. I think they look at it and they realize like, you know what, that's not effective. And so I don't think it's effective. So I actually don't mind it at all. Um, I think it's just a reminder uh, why there's so many millions of voters who will never vote for him going forward. Local law enforcement, as well as federal agencies like the CDC, have uncovered a secret unlicensed Chinese laboratory housed inside of a warehouse in Fresno County, California. Authorities found blood, tissue, and other bodily fluid samples and serums and thousands of vials of unlabeled fluids and suspected biological material, as well as hundreds of lab mice, many of them dead. That's fine. That's normal. Also, for those of you keeping score at home, over the past few months, we've learned the Chinese were operating a secret police station in New York City and other locations are operating a spy base in Cuba and now this secret lab in California. Anyway, check out this headline from the UK Daily Mail. Trans-indigenous Canadian slams doctors for denying her euthanasia request, saying death would be better than her constant pain from a surgically built vagina. Learning Chinese today. Today's phrase is "What a fine slope this has been." The best. Joe Biden has finally and for the first time publicly acknowledged his seventh grandchild, Navy, telling People Magazine that his belated acknowledgement of this little girl is not a political issue. Biden further elaborated on his love for all of his grandchildren. Checking in once more on Chicago, here's this from CBS2 in the Windy City reporting on residents' frustration with their new neighbors. Many of these residents say they no longer have any tolerance for the disruptive behavior by those seeking asylum here. It's making them feel unsafe. They disrespect us, yeah. they rob us, yeah. they harass us. And their patience yeah. is wearing thin. Let me say this. They got one more time to deal with it because otherwise next time they deal with it, they're going to deal with it from the streets. We're going to take over it. Nobody's going to be able to stop us from what we're going to do to them. Much of the residents' anger was directed at city officials in attendance, including 20th Ward Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, Chicago Deputy Police Chief Stephen Chung, and Family and Support Services Commissioner Brandy Kanazi. 
At one point, police had to intervene, breaking up an argument during public comment. And finally, your feel-good story of the day. Get a mental health day. Once again, I commend you for that. Unfortunately, you can't do it while parked illegally in a handicapped space. It's a huge inconvenience for those in the community that actually have disabilities, some of which are veterans of our country's military, all right? I am going to help you avoid paying a really expensive fine today by giving you this fix-it ticket. To fix what? Is that a Ukrainian flag hanging from your rear view that says Biden 2024 on it? Yes. Yes, okay. it is. Okay. So you are retarded. This gives you two weeks to consult with your care provider, get some sort of a certification or a diagnosis that proves so. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. You know, every day it seems we hear about another familiar brand selling out customers, going woke. America is sick and tired of it. Wants, real America anyway, wants the emergence of the parallel economy. It's coming just slowly. One place where it is fully emerged and available, though, is when it comes to our mobile phones, which just so happens to be one product we all have to use in this day and age. So take advantage of it. Make the switch to Patriot Mobile, America's only American mobile phone company with an outstanding customer service team. If you're a veteran or first responder, they'll hook you up with even more ways to say thank you for your service. For the rest of us, you know, just for being a member, anytime you move or need to go somewhere where there's a stronger network available, you can make that switch for free at Patriot Mobile with their 100% U.S.-based customer service team they'll make switching easy keep your phone number get a new phone new number whatever you want and use the promo code steve to get a free activation today when you go to patriotmobile.com slash steve that's patriotmobile.com slash steve or call 878 patriot all right coming up later today in the overtime never ever tolerate or show any mercy for getting attacked from the left by this so-called right never Nada, zip, zilch, zero, forever, world without end. Amen. Byron Donalds learned that lesson the hard way over the weekend, and we will discuss. And and this is the kind of stuff that, frankly, some people. I, it's just yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know why. You know. I. I, I liked the, the the period of time I spent around Donald Trump from 2013 to 2015. I I liked him. I didn't feel any pressure. You and I talked about those that period of time privately pretty extensively, yeah. Todd. I didn't feel like any pressure to debase myself or I didn't feel any pressure being applied upon me to do those kinds of things. I genuinely liked him. So so I don't know why. We also knew if we started to feel that pressure, that we just would walk be away. Sun, yes. That'd be a walk away point. Yeah. I, so I don't know why. But for whatever it is, there is something about the man that just the amount of people willing to debase themselves for and against him is truly extraordinary. And I've just never I've never seen anything like it before. And Byron Donalds went out there and thought he was going to be this cycle's Jerry Falwell Jr. And got pimp slapped around hard. And he should have because of what he tried to do. And a very important political lesson was learned. And we will discuss that coming up later today in the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go. Uh, for just 10 bucks a month to become a Blaze TV subscriber today. No filter, no social media censorship. Become a subscriber. Get our content directly from us. BlazeTV.com slash Dace, just $10 a month. And that's where you'll be able to go later today and watch it after we record it following today's show. All right, in Aaron's montage, there's really one thing I want to address. And it's the stuff with the Trump funding. Now, since it came up that they were diverting funds from the campaign to his legal defense, I have maintained, and I still do as a premise, that I have no problem with this. 
because, yes, I, and I understand Donald Trump is independently wealthy. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Um, however, this is a sunk cost of, of being perceived or actually being a vehicle for a group of people that the spirit of the age hates the most. And therefore, I have no problem at all when those people that he has shown public support for support him for the legal problems he has for supporting them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. I, I, I have, that's not a, and, and I have talked about the cultic aspects of some of the, uh, the, 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 the slobberish Trump support from day one when this all began back in 2015. That's a movement. That's not a cult. That's a movement. I have no problem with that. None at all. I do think, and I've said it before when this came up previously, I do think you should be told that up front. I think you should be told up front that there is a possibility your donation may be diverted to his legal defense and not go into the campaign. I do think you should be told that. And provided you are, then I have no problem with it at all. But then there's this little thing of this video that came out last week with Jason Miller. And one of the, I guess, I don't know that anybody knows what the Mar-a-Lago flowchart is at the moment, you know? I mean, it appears the Trump campaign just found out blindly three weeks ago that their campaign manager, Susie Wiles, is basically a Chinese lobbyist. They didn't know. All right. So I I don't know what the flowchart is, who's in charge. Not sure Donald Trump does, you know. Remember reading Scott Atlas's book? Yes. I think we know. Yeah. Yes. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there, Jason Miller ranks somewhere in there and they put him on camera. So he ranks somewhere in there prominently where I I have no clue. I don't know. You know, I think there's a better chance I could I could crack the Dominion Corporation flowchart. Faster than I could the Trump campaign flowchart. Ouch. And I think it's just simply because Trump will, you know, in and out garbage in garbage out all the time. You know what I'm like? Like that thing's that thing's amorphous. You know, I mean, the Dominion company flowchart is probably. A, a, ta- a periodic table, all right? And the, the Trump campaign flowchart is, well, it's evolving. You know, that would make it very difficult to decipher. Um, but he's in there somewhere. And that video of him last week saying, while wearing an N95 mask on Zoom before the detestable January 6th committee, saying, well, we knew that he lost. We knew that he lost all along. And our data showed that he lost. I mean, there, there's, there's what, about a dozen elderly people in Michigan that are going to go to prison probably for trying to put up fake electors against state law because they thought this was all part of the plan. They thought they were, in this case, they thought they were part of a movement. They weren't. Frankly, you were scammed. The only question is, were you, direct, were you manipulated just because this guy's ego didn't want to admit that, didn't want to admit these things publicly? And so it doesn't pay to be, to be on his team and tell him things he doesn't want to hear. And so this thing just got going organically and no one ever wanted to shut it down? Or was it purposeful? And I don't, I don't know the answer. It, it, it does explain a lot, though. Remember my frustration with their, the strategy they were pursuing after the election. Like, there's obvious yeah. election law being violated in Pennsylvania. You can't board up windows. You can't deny um, monitors counting votes from both parties. These are things they were doing. 
We they were the doing attorney. them on camera in real time. We were doing these things. We had the attorney on from Wisconsin multiple yes. times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they never really pursued that stuff. Instead, we released the Kraken and fantastical theories. And I was sitting here in the weeks leading up to the, the Electoral College saying, clock is ticking. It's yeah. moving. The game's going to end. What are we doing here? And, and I can't help in hindsight but now think to myself, well, maybe the one explanation is. I can't raise a lot of money on. Help us follow the uh, chain of custody of the uh, ballots in Pennsylvania. That's not an easy. Like if that, if that if that subject line shows up on an email, you're probably putting that in your spam file, right? Chain of custody Pennsylvania update. Someone puts release the Kraken in an email. You're clicking on it. I hate I hate thinking things like this. Can't stand it actually. Well, if we're consumers instead of citizens, but you I should be thinking. But, but that. I, I, yes, I have to think these kinds of things now yes. more than ever before, based on their own actions. It makes sense. Their heart really wasn't in an actual strategy that might have worked. There were other considerations at play. So let's go for the fantastical theories that people respond to, that get people's attentions, right? <laughs> I mean, a guy who just shows up every day, every Sunday, just preaching the word of God, man. No flair, no frills. A guy like a John MacArthur, just showing up every Sunday, opening his Bible and bringing it. Doesn't draw the audience of the guy who taps you on the head and people shake and shudder and fall like a Benny Hinn. I hate thinking stuff like that, but I don't tell me what else I'm supposed to think. It makes a lot. Uh, it makes a lot of what went on in that time period make sense now, if that was the case. Yeah, we hope we can overturn this thing they stole from us, but in the meantime, we're going to raise the crap out of money from it. Makes I hate thinking that, but I I don't know what other reaction I'm supposed to have to being played for a schmuck by their own admission in that disgusting video of Jason Miller. I told you. I'm going to care even less what will offend you after the last 72 hours. I warned you. Did I not warn you at the top of the show? You did. You did. So consider yourself warned. And I'm on even higher doses of steroids, so that's only going to make it worse. But we cannot have... We have no chance of success if more money is spent raising money and paying for the legal defenses of our candidates than it is in defeating the other people, especially when they're independently wealthy. Like, how much of his money is he spending? See, I think we get to ask that question now. How much of your money are you spending? That. I don't even care about that. And if I was the DeSantis campaign, I'd use that talking point, but because it's a pretty good talking point, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not as important from an integrity standpoint that he is spending more money to defeat Ron DeSantis than he did in the last midterm. It's far more important to say, okay, if this is a movement now and we're going to pay, we're going to come along, what are you putting in? What are you paying? Because now, now, you, now, now you're not going to use your name to defeat the other side and you're not going to use your wealth. So then we're the only ones doing the heavy lifting then. Your base are the only people doing the heavy lifting now. They're paying, they're paying everything. What are you doing? I know what you're doing. You're holding sparsely filled rallies in Erie, Pennsylvania, the places that we actually have to win to win the next election. 
So what, tens of thousands showed up in South Carolina? You mean the same people that sent Lindsey Graham to the Senate for 30 years and Tim Cops are racist and Trump's judges are too? Scott, not impressed. What I need to see is that kind of a crowd. And, 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 and I'm tired of, you, of, of, of your grifter lying movement bearing false witness. That ridiculous character in Aaron's montage putting out the video over Twitter over the weekend, look at this Trump rally, the globalists are scared. Uh, dude, lie better. People are wearing coats in July. That wasn't from today, moron. Get a better class of grifter. Clearly, he's not spending enough money on his campaign. If you're down to Laura Loomer, Alex Brusowitz, and whoever that jagoff was, do better. We need a better grift. We need a better con. We need a better scam. Do better. I demand better. And so should you. So we're going to pay his freight. Okay. What is he going to spend? What are they spending it on? I think these are all fair questions to ask now. Now, some of the people that are going to be the most taken advantage of are going to be the most angry at me for asking these questions. And if that's you, you are in a cult. And someone should tell you, and that'll be me every chance I get. But we're at a very vital and important juncture in our nation's history. And it is time to ask serious questions. Regardless of whether there are serious answers. And maybe what I'll find is all the new growth in our show and everything else and all the people that appreciated what we did about COVID will just turn on us. I am completely okay with that. If anything, you'll just confirm that I was right to ask the questions in the first place. And maybe it's just time to go ahead and move on and do something else because we're not serious. And so therefore we have no chance to win this and I'm better off doing something else for a living rather than making more enemies fighting a war that was never winnable because we're not serious about winning it. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. If you are in the midst of this summer heat wave going around the country, great opportunity to check out Sweatblock. Don't get caught with embarrassing sweat stains. Stay dry, confident with Sweatblock. They're antiperspirant wipes designed for your underarms. 
you can all tr- you can try them elsewhere on your body as well. Um, I tried the uh, their deodorant lotions in some of the uh, more sensitive regions while down in uh, or out in L.A. last weekend when it was 100 degrees out there every day, and it more than held up. Every time I've tried Sweat Block. It holds up. Excellent product. Highly recommend. Try their deodorant stick, too. 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. Promo code DACE on sweatblock.com. 20% off. Promo code DACE, sweatblock.com. Name of the book, You Will Own Nothing, Your War with a New Financial World Order. And how to fight back. Carol Roth is the author, joins us here on the Steve Day Show. Carol, it's a pleasure to have you on the show for the first time. How are you? I do well, Steve. It's, it's a pleasure to finally connect. I feel like I'm always sharing your fantastic information on Twitter and everything. So it's nice to to be face to face. You bet. Um, so let's start with you will own nothing, right? This is for people that aren't on Twitter. Like if you do what you and I do for a living, you have to almost live there. It is the it's the city gate. It's the nexus of 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 thought left and right and across the spectrum in the West today. But uh, only about 25 percent of Twitter accounts, even with its growth under Elon, are from the U.S. So a lot of our audience is not. And so they may not be familiar with what has become a popular uh, reference or meme uh, on Twitter references to a phrase. You will own nothing. Can you kind of fill them in on the backdrop of that? Because that I'm sure will help them understand the premise of your book, Carol. Absolutely. So when I first saw you'll own nothing and you'll be happy floating around social media, I did what I I always do. I assumed that it was something that was taken out of context or there had to be more to it because it's associated with a group called the World Economic Forum, which is littered with the business and political elite. So I'm like, there's no way this group is predicting the end of private property by the end of 2030, which is what the meme said. Now, it took very little research, Steve, this particular case to go and find the video, which is still on the World Economic Forum's Twitter feed as we're speaking. And they had their top eight predictions for the world from 2030. It came from their global future councils. And that number one prediction was you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And as somebody who helps people advocate for wealth creation, that was really startling to me because I know that wealth comes from ownership. You have to have assets and own them that have the ability to retain value and increase in value. And throughout history, the people who haven't had assets, who owned nothing, have been very unfree, very unhappy, and in many cases lost their lives. And really packed into this idea of you'll own nothing and you'll be happy is two really important things. One is it says that you'll own nothing. It doesn't say we'll own nothing. Yes. So it's pretty yes. pretty clear that this person is Or that they'll own apart. nothing. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So pronouns, pronouns, everybody's pronoun got to get those pronouns right in that sentence too but go ahead carol yes yeah so it's it's you'll own nothing so you know forget about us don't pay attention to what we're doing and the second piece is the happiness piece you know if you can get people to buy in to this sort of you know yolo instagram lifestyle where you don't own things where you don't have the opportunity to create wealth and make them think that that's going to derive happiness for the people who want to push this it makes it much easier for it to come to fruition than something they have to force upon you what's fascinating have you seen oppenheimer yet have you seen i have it yet? not seen it yet okay. i have not seen it yet what you just referenced is is a is a line of dialogue in within oppenheimer where he goes to a communist party meeting on campus there 
at Berkeley, I think it is. And uh, um, the young woman played by Florence Pugh, who's kind of his first love interest, is a hardened communist card-carrying member and she asks him why because the movie tries to paint him there's a lot of debate about whether he was a communist or not the movie tries to paint him as a as a very liberal fdr new deal democrat but was not a communist and him and florence Pugh get into this argument about marx and their whole argument is the distinction between ownership and property all right. And he's and he makes the case that actually as a Democrat, what he wants to see is an equity of ownership. All right. What she wants as a communist is an equity of property. <laughs> and those are two entirely different things, or at least that's the distinction in their exchange that the movie attempts to draw. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, this is something that Klaus Schwab, who is the founder of the World Economic Forum and its predecessor, the European Management Forum, has been trying to push since 1971. You know, he is nuttier than a jar of peanut butter, um, you know, frankly nefarious in my opinion, but he is a persistent man. He's been at this for more than 50 years. And the concept of a stakeholder is such a weasel word. It's a word for somebody who has not taken on any risk. They have no skin in the game but they want to direct or participate in outcomes versus the concept of a shareholder, which has ownership in an asset either by their own sweat equity or by taking a risk with their capital and really does have that stake. And so I think that this is a, a concept that has been pushed you know, since the time of Marx and you know, through the 70s and is, is seeing this resurrection now that somehow these people who don't take any risk who have no skin in the game, but who really want to control more and more things, have somehow inserted themselves as stakeholders and are trying to direct resources. And I think, Steve, part of the reason why this is coming around now is because we are seeing shifts in the global financial order. You know, the U.S. has been at the center of the global financial universe for about 80 years, but before it was the British and before the British, it was the Dutch. So this is something that changes on a regular basis. We have a very high debt load, about 125% debt mm -hmm. to GDP on a public basis. We're seeing signposts around the world with de-dollarization and all of these countries that want to use other currencies and not have the US dollar be the global reserve currency. So as these people who are wealthy and well-connected see the global stake shifting, they're panicking. They know that the status quo isn't going to be there for them. So are they just going to hope it works out for them or are they going to try to manipulate the system, control the resources? And I think that's really what's driving this. So what you see is essentially you just laid out what gave birth to the European Union. That somewhere in, in the 70s and 80s, the, uh, the socialist democracies of Western Europe just determined that they were collectively not salvageable. So let's just spend to oblivion and we're just, we'll just reboot this entire thing with a new currency, a new economy of scale uh, on a regional basis called the European Union and essentially reset our own debt clock. What you're saying is that's essentially their plan for the entirety of the West. And our own elites now have kind of bought into this as well. And so that's why I, you, 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 know, you and I look like we're probably about the same age. You just wear it better than me. Um, and remember the panic 10 years ago under Obama when we were going to hit 100% of GDP, right? Okay. Yes. We were going to hit 100% of GDP, and that was, the, that was the apocalypse. Now we're, as you said, 120. And so it's almost as if everybody's just like, you know what? This is doomed. Everybody knows it's doomed. Each 
eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And then when it gets to the point that maybe someone calls in the note, we just do what the European Union did, re- Control-Alt-Delete, re- unplug the machine, start all over again. Here's a new currency. Here's a new economy of scale. Maybe this one is a digital one so we can track and control you, right? That's what I sense you're saying here. This is a, this is a, a, a grander replay of the birth of the European Union. Yeah, I mean, I think it is not just the European Union, but these you know kind of rhyming cycles because the the call always comes from inside the house. When you mm-hmm. have major ec- economies that implode, it is an internal thing. It's not that some other entity comes in and evades them and forces. Right, you're you're collapse. pushing your own button, is what you're saying. You push you your own button. You are push. Yeah. You push your own button. It is the 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 dereliction of duty from the Fed and the government getting us to this point. And as you said, you know the fact that this is an unsustainable financial trajectory is not something that's a surprise. The Treasury has said it. The CBO has said it. The IMF has said that, you know, at around 70 to 80 percent debt to GDP, things become unwieldy. So this is this is a known quantity. So how are we as elites, as the people who are well connected, how are we going to make sure we come out on top? And then for the people who are in power, let's say here in the U.S., you know, that's where you get something potentially you alluded to, like a central bank digital currency, where we can now swap everything out and mm-hmm. say, oh, no, no, we're going to give you something better. You know, instead of just one dollar, we're going to give you, Steve, a hundred digital dollars. And all of a sudden you're going to be all millionaires, of course, because most people don't understand the difference between, you know, non- nominal value and purchasing power. And you get people to buy into this new system. The the scary thing with something like a central bank digital currency, and we saw a video floating around social media from the World Economic Forum again this weekend is the control level, how they can program it, how they can track it, how they can turn it off if they don't want certain behaviors, whether it's you've eaten you know, too many burgers that month and they don't think that animals are good for the environment, or maybe they're just trying to control the inflation that, by the way, they caused. Well, instead of lowering interest rates to destruct demand, we will destruct demand just by turning off your access to your capital. And so these are the kinds of things that we need to be keeping an eye on and unfortunately, it's coming at us from every direction. It's it's internally with the Fed and the government. It's these organizations like the WEF and the UN. It's big business and it's big tech all wanting to take our lives and rent them back to us as a subscription or a service in the name of getting more power and wealth for themselves. And then you're a Black Mirror episode. All right. So let's get to the second half then of your subtitle. How do we fight back? How does how does the average homeschooling how you know housewife listening to us right now, the average small business owner listening to us right now, yeah. and and these things seem biblical in scale and beyond their grasp, right? Okay, and so how do they fight back? Well, I think the first thing is obviously you have to empower yourself with the knowledge because the way that you're going to fight back against something like social credit may be different than the way that you fight back against CBDCs. It may be different than the way that you fight back against their potential grab via a wealth tax or an inheritance tax. So you have to have the knowledge base to fight back. Um, And then the second thing from a macro standpoint that I would tell you is do what the elite are doing and don't listen to what they're saying. Hmm. None of them are 
are giving up their homes. Central banks around the world are loading up on precious metals like gold. You know, look at the hard assets and the land that the wealthy and well-connected are buying up. They're buying up productive land, whether it be farmland, ranches, uh, timberland, land that has water rights. So you need to kind of change the way that you walk through life and forget about you know spending. Try to have some austerity on the spending side and do more investing in hard things that you can control, to have form factors that you can control. And then I think you really need to put that preparation plan in place. If we go to a CBDC, even if it's just for a period of time, and they cut off access for whatever reason between you and the money that you've worked hard for, how do you transact? You know, how do you make sure that you have, you know, whether it's, um, you know, small value and small denomination, precious metals, guns, ammo, food, you know, whatever it is, how are you going to borrow? What is that ecosystem that you're creating around you to get through what might be a period of chaos? And it may sound a little preppery and not that there's anything wrong with being a prepper, but it's just a different way of walking through life. The people who are preppers, they live this way every day. I'm just saying to prepare, kind of like, you know, you hope your house doesn't burn down, but before it does, you mm -hmm. make sure you have insurance and you make sure you have your escape plan. I think that we need to do that so that when you're faced with the chaos, you're not panicking and you've thought this through. This is existential stuff that previous generations thought were the things of end times prophecies or, or, or fiction, uh, works of great fiction, but it's, it's potentially the reality that we are on the brink of. So pick up a copy of this book, You Will Own Nothing, Your War with a New Financial World Order and How to Fight Back from Carol Roth. It's a pleasure, Carol, to have you with us, and uh, we will definitely do it again. All right, take care. Love it. Thanks so much. You bet. Todd, when, I don't know if you picked, if you and Aaron picked up on this, but when she said how to fight back, to do what the elites are doing as best you can, not what they're saying. My mind immediately went to our buddy Brad Wilcox at The Marriage Project, who pointed out on our show last year that while they're desecrating the institution of marriage in every yeah. possible public way you can imagine, those same elites are actually yes. getting married and staying married. Yes. Because they, they're just trying to, de to desecrate you. Brad won't say this, he's too nice, but that's, that's the clear, that's, that's at least the implied implication here yes. right that the, the, the implication is at least that they're attempting to demean an institution that they themselves are honoring privately because demeaning it among the riffraff or the plebes gives them power and control that's exactly if you connect those dots that's exactly what carol just said on the economic front that they're going to tell you not to do the kinds of things that they're actually actively doing themselves. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show that what this is ultimately about, well, first of all, two things. One, this idea that we can divorce the moral and the economic, not true. The forces that are coming at us are not divorcing those things at all, but they are in synergy, okay? When, when the Marriage Project and Kara Roth, financial planner and, or investment planner, have basically the same strategy that tells you they're facing the same enemy, right? If they've got the same strategy, they're facing the same enemy. That's number one. Um, but number two, it tells you that ultimately this is the end of Animal Farm. Their, their goal is not for four legs good and to, to, for two legs, to become, two legs then to become bad, but for them to end up in the farmer's house as well. And you're working for them. We're in big trouble. Huge trouble. I'm thinking... Uh if you do any, uh, it's, it's there within the Gospels, but uh, the historical record as well, Pontius Pilate talking about, it, the, you know, his constant fear of the masses, unrest. More than ever before, 
the powers that be, the World Economic Forum, etc., they 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 fear the masses less than ever because they have them sedated. When I so, which is why I say, uh oh, when she says, you know, we we need to teach ourselves some austerity. Huh. Are you kidding me? This is why I talk about comfort all the time. We we are gluttons, even when it comes to the notion of we get the idea in our head. I'm a guy, but maybe I might be a girl. Are we austere in even that thinking? No, we feed it on all of it. We, this, this is why our, our notions, we're the most educated we've ever been before. Educated. Time, but we are more docile and accepting of absolute nonsense than ever before. We're not capable of being austere. God bless her for suge- suggesting it because she's not wrong about that. But we are in big trouble because we're utterly... I told you last week on a different matter, we're crackheads. We're addicted to the things of this world more than ever before. We can't pull back. Aaron? Yeah, I, I mean, what would it take? What would it take? I, I don't know the answer to that question, but you can be assured we are running in a dead wind sprint towards that answer. What would it take to get people to actually wake up to the reality of the situation? Because that is our biggest, our biggest problem right now. There are too many, too many people who not because they are negligent, but because they willfully do not want to wake up to what is actually happening before them. We call them the normies. It's not that they're just, eh, yeah, that's off in the periphery. What, what's happening is just off. No, they don't want to know. They don't want to know. They bury themselves, as Todd says, in entertainment and comfort and luxury. That is our biggest problem, and I don't know how you break that. All right, hour two, Iowa got a chance to have DeSantis and Trump on the same stage and judge them thusly. We're going to give you that chance when we come back. Stay tuned. Back here with Hour 2, here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do that by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Look for me as well on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. We'd love to look and find your five-star review of our podcast if you like us. I saw over the weekend, because I went and looked it up myself because I was just genuinely curious, of all the shows, the, of all the, uh, the top 100 news politics shows in the country that uh, are conservative, there are only five that um, have uh, an average user rating of 4.9 out of five. Liz Wheeler, our colleague Jason Whitlock, The Morning Wire at The Daily Wire, I'm forgetting somebody, and us. That's some pretty high cotton, man. Yeah. So just want to say thank you. Keep those five-star reviews coming. Uh, if you like us, if you don't, don't you know lie. But if you like us, keep them coming. Uh, also, uh, want to say thank you for all of you that hit subscribe or follow. That's a way to make sure that every new episode we do shows up in your feed every single day. 
Uh, and so thank you to all of you that have done that for us. Thank you as well to our friends over at My Patriot Supply who are putting into practice what Carol Roth just warned us we ought to be doing uh, on, on another on financial fronts. Just being prepared just in case. Be prepared just in case with 25% off their three-month emergency food kit right now. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full range of the 2,000 plus calories that you'll need per day. You can get 25% off their three-month emergency food kit kit right now 25% off each kit not the whole bill each kit all right so each kit on the bill you'll get 25% off so if you want to get one for you and everyone in your family to have that peace of mind 25% off each one and free shipping as well and free shipping as well when you go to preparewithdace.com that's preparewithdace.com All right. And later in the hour, a key vote that has gone unnoticed by many uh, in the state of Ohio is coming up in early August. And we're going to talk about that with a a member from Ohio Right to Life. Uh, That is uh, something you want to be made aware of. But over the weekend in Iowa, we were given an opportunity to do something that who knows how many of, uh, of these opportunities we will get. Uh, We have not yet in this campaign had a moment where Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump showed up at the same event and spoke to the same audience. Hasn't happened yet until Saturday. Happened on Saturday night here in Iowa at the Reagan dinner. I'm sorry, the Lincoln dinner held by the uh, Polk County Republican Party. Both. That's the biggest county in Iowa. That's where we all live. Uh, That is uh, where Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis each addressed the crowd. They were each given about 10 minutes at the podium. We are going to play their two addresses back to back without any interruptions so that you can hear and see what the people of Iowa heard and saw. And then we're going to react afterwards. Ready to go? Yes. All right. Let's give the former president. He gets first dibs. He's the incumbent. He's the champ. So he gets to go first. Well, thank you very much. Great honor to be with you. And hello, Iowa. I'm here to deliver a very simple message. Iowa has never had a better friend in the White House than President Donald J. Trump. And I think we know that. We made a lot of big promises to the people of this great state. As your president, I kept every single one of those promises. I gave the farmers $28 billion straight out of the tariffs I took from China. No other president took anything from China. Got hundreds of billions of dollars. We gave the farmers $28 billion, and that was the uh, largest uh, amount was given to Iowa. I ended the NAFTA disaster, the worst trade deal ever made in this country, and replaced it with the brand new USMCA. And that's, uh, as you know, Mexico, Canada was the best trade deal ever made, and so good, in fact, that the two nations are now trying very, very hard to renegotiate the deal, and don't let them do that. And while I never mention it because of COVID or the China virus, as they say, I also got China to buy, and and this is so important, but just to talk about it, to buy $50 billion worth of American farm product, and they were buying it, and they were buying it in a very big way. Unlike the establishment globalists in this race, I've been an unwavering warrior for Iowa ethanol, and I will remain your ethanol champion, very important to your economy. Ron DeSantis has aggressively fought against ethanol, 
which I think would be devastating for Iowa. He fights against it all the time. As president, I issued a rule declaring all E15 would be made available all year round, and you could uh, reutilize your pumps and all of the existing equipment, which is saving hundreds of millions of dollars in your state. And I dramatically increased the number of fueling pumps where E15 could be sold all across the country. We were really great for ethanol. I staunchly defended Iowa's first in nation caucuses and was responsible for keeping you as first in the nation. Without me, you would not be first in the nation right now. I created the strongest border in U.S. history, built nearly 500 miles of border wall, then wanted to add another 200 miles. We had the fence all built, and the wall was built, ready to go up. And uh, when Biden got in, they didn't do it. That's when we first realized this guy actually wanted open borders where people pour into our country. And many of those people come out of prisons and mental institutions and terrorists. And it's a terrible thing that they've allowed to happen to our country. We'll turn that around very fast. Under my leadership, we created the greatest economy in the history of the world, the greatest. And in fact, I actually did it twice, as you very well know. I appointed over 300 federal judges and three great Supreme Court justices. And last year, those justices and you know exactly what they did. They ruled to end Roe v. Wade, and now Pro-Lifers have a tremendous power to negotiate. We gave them a tremendous power to negotiate, which uh, they didn't have until this termination took place. This moves the issue back to the states, where all legal scholars, uh, whether you believe in it or not in it, uh, they felt it should be. And like Ronald Reagan, I support exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. And remember, the Democrats are the radicals on this issue because they're willing to kill babies in their fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth month. And they're willing to kill babies even after birth. And they are the extremists. They are the radicals and politicians running for office cannot allow this to happen, cannot let them get away with what they do. They try and politicize that issue, and we can't let them get away. We did a phenomenal thing for our country and for our life. I fully rebuilt the U.S. military, created Space Force, defeated ISIS, and was the first president in decades who didn't start a war. In fact, I got us out of those lingering, horrible 20-year wars. We were getting out of Afghanistan very powerfully with dignity and strength. In fact, I spoke to the leader of the Taliban, and from that time on, not one American soldier was killed. 18 months, not one soldier was killed until Biden came along and ended up giving them $85 billion worth of equipment, left many Americans behind. We lost 13 incredible lives and many, many badly wounded. The most embarrassing, I think, moment in the history of our country and because of that, I believe that was the incentive for Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine when he saw the incompetence of our military and our leadership more than anything else. The whole Afghanistan mess, what a shame it was. The 2024 election is our last shot to save America, and there's only one candidate, and you know who that candidate is, who's going to get the job done.
And I'm going quickly because we're given 10 points and we're given 10, we're given 10 quick minutes. So I'm going to go quickly, but we did a lot of things. It's hard to do it that quickly. In the newest echelon poll of swing states, we're trouncing Biden by seven points. In the big new premise poll, we're beating Biden 4339, while DeSantis is losing to Biden 3338. In other polls, I'm leading Biden by six, seven, eight, and 11 points, while DeSantis is losing to Biden in all cases. I wouldn't take a chance on that one. I'm leading in the primary polls by 50 and 55 percent against him and others. And a poll just came out where I'm leading in Iowa. We love Iowa by 34 points. I'm leading in New Hampshire by 35 points. And I'm leading in South Carolina by over 30 points. And that's with two politicians running, as you know, from South Carolina, leading by substantially more than 30 points. And a poll just came out a few minutes before I got up here. And in Ohio, the great state of Ohio, we're leading by 52 points and beating Biden by 10 points. That's what we have to do. I'm the only Republican to win Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania in more than 30 years, and you have to win them. Nationwide, we flipped 200 counties that voted twice for Barack Hussein Obama, including an astounding 31 counties right here in Iowa. These are counties that never went for Republicans, and they went for me. And despite four years of deranged opposition, we did even better the second time than we did the first time, getting more votes in 2020 than any sitting president in the history of the United United States. They rigged the presidential election 2020. We're not going to allow them to rig the presidential election of 2024. They used COVID to cheat. With your vote, I will fight for Iowa like no one else is going to fight. And I've already proven that. I don't think anybody's proven it like I have. I will obliterate the state. We will say no on 87,000 IRS agents who want to take your money and much worse than that. They want to weaponize the IRS just like they've weaponized the Justice Department and the FBI. And by the way, if I weren't running, I would have nobody coming after me. Or if I was losing by a lot, I would have nobody coming after me. They wouldn't be coming after me. I immediately cancel every single open borders policy of the Biden administration and stop the invasion of criminals in many cases coming into our country. I had the safest border in the history of our country, and we will do it again and we'll get it done very quickly. On day one, I will sign an executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender, insanity, and other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on children. I will keep men out of winning sports, and you know, nobody's been tougher on that than me. How ridiculous is that? I will sign a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation. Can you believe we even have to say this in all 50 states? I will fully secure our elections. I will defend the Judeo-Christian values of our nation's founding. I won Iowa twice by really a lot. We set records and together we will crush crooked Joe Biden, the most crooked president in the history of our country by far. And also grossly incompetent, doesn't know what he's doing. He's destroying a country. We will win the election big, and we will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
All right. That was what the former president had to say for his 10 minutes uh, to the people of Iowa on Saturday. And now his primary challenger, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Hello, Iowa. Are you ready to send Joe Biden back to his basement in Delaware on a permanent vacation? I can promise you this, in my White House, there will be no cocaine allowed in the White House. And look, my son's only five years old, so he's not going to be lining his pockets with money from foreign governments, so don't worry about that. It's great to be here. I want to thank Chairman Kaufman. I want to thank all the great legislators in the state of Iowa for their great work. And I want to commend your outstanding governor, Kim Reynolds, for her leadership leading this great state. Our country is in decline, and Joe Biden is the custodian of that decline. I'm running for president because we as Republicans cannot be content with simply managing the decline of our country a little bit better than the Democrats. We must reverse American decline. We must restore this country to greatness, and we must provide our country with a new birth of freedom. To do that requires vision, it requires courage and it requires leadership. That's exactly what we did in the state of Florida. Everything I promised people I would do, we did. And we delivered more than what we promised. We expanded Second Amendment rights. We enacted the heartbeat bill. We cut taxes by $2.7 billion. We have paid down 25% of our state's debt. We have the number one rated economy in the country, number one in new business formations. We have eliminated critical race theory from our K through 12 schools. We have enacted a parent's bill of rights to protect the rights of parents. And we have held criminals accountable by enacting the death penalty for pedophiles. And our crime rate is at a 50 year low. And when it came time to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic, we refused to let the state of Florida descend into some type of Faucian dystopia. We stood strong against the mob, against the left, against the bureaucracy, and we fought for our people's rights. We fought for their jobs. We fought to have our kids in school. And as a result, the state of Florida has never done better. We will deliver those results in Washington. We will repeal Bidenomics so that middle class people actually have a chance to get ahead in this country again. We will stop the Congress from borrowing and spending this country into oblivion. We need a balanced budget amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We need term limits for members of Congress so that we can have a citizen legislature again. We will get the bureaucracy off the back of small businesses in this country. And I'm going to issue uh, an order to all agencies in D.C. to reduce their D.C. footprint by at least 50 percent. We reject policies like the Green New Deal. We will develop our own natural resources and we will be energy independent because we don't want to help our enemies. I pledge to be the president to finally solve the issue of the southern border. We're sending the military to the border. Yes, we will build a border wall, 
and we will use deadly force against the Mexican drug cartels because I'm sick of them poisoning our kids, I'm sick of them killing our citizens, and I'm sick of them trafficking people into this country. That ends on January 20th, 2025. We will usher in a reckoning for those like Dr. Fauci who perpetrated COVID-19 lockdown and mandate policies. Those policies were destructive for this country. They hurt people, they hurt our economy, and we still haven't fully recovered from it. You don't coddle bureaucrats like Dr. Fauci. You bring them in and you say you are fired and we are gonna hold them accountable for what they did. We are going to ensure that parents in this country have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing and well-being of their kids. Schools and systems are important, but they do not supersede the rights of parents. We want education in this country, not indoctrination in this country. We got it done in Florida and we need to get it done nationally. And I got Kamala Harris coming down to Florida trying to create uh, phony narratives because she understands Florida has stood up to the left's agenda. We have beat the left's agenda in the state of Florida, and so she thinks she can come down and lie about what we're doing in the state of Florida. I'm not budging an inch. We are going to fight back against these people, and we are not letting them take over our schools any longer. We are going to get this right as a nation. We will also end the weaponization of federal agencies like the FBI and the Department of Justice. On day one with me as president, you will have a new director of the FBI, long overdue. You will see a house cleaning at the Department of Justice, and we are personally going to hold them accountable. We are not going to allow them to target people like parents going to a school board meeting, pro-life demonstrators just speaking their mind, or, or targeting religious groups like observant Catholics. Weaponization ends on day one of our administration, and we are going to reconstitutionalize this federal government once and for all. I'm proud to be the only candidate running for president on either side of the aisle this year that's actually served in a war. Uh, I served in Iraq uh, as a naval officer alongside Navy SEALs in Fallujah and Ramadi and places like that. Not exactly Club Med, but it was duty that called and you know I had opportunities to do a lot of other things in my life. I was a blue collar kid, I worked minimum wage jobs, didn't necessarily have anything handed to me, but I put myself in a position uh, to do well. But then 9-11 happened, all volunteer forces said I need to do my part, uh, so we served. And when you wear the cloth of your country, you wear that American flag on your uniform, you serve beside fellow patriots and you serve a mission greater than yourself, uh, that's a noble calling. And I thank all the veterans in Iowa and throughout this country uh, who have worn the uniform because at the end of the day, a veteran is somebody who at one point in their life has written a check payable to the United States of America for an amount up to and including that individual's life. And we have a situation... We have a situation now in this country where our recruiting into our military is at the lowest level since the end of the draft during the Vietnam War. 
And the reason why, and I have veterans coming up to me saying, Governor, I don't know that I'd want my kids or grandkids to join today's military. Why? Because they're indulging in social experimentation. They're pursuing political agendas, woke ideology. They've taken their eye off the ball. As Commander-in-Chief on day one, we are going to rip the politics out of the military. We're going to end the woke agenda. And we are going to restore the military to mission first. And we are going to make people proud to serve again and join again. And that's going to make our country stronger. So here's the thing. We're not getting the mulligan on 2024. Uh, we either win this election and make good on all the promises uh, that we're making, uh, or the Democrats are going to throw this country into a hole that's going to take us a generation uh, to come out of. I believe that decline is a choice. I believe success is attainable, and I know that freedom is worth fighting for. This is our chance in 2024 to send the Biden-Harris administration to the dustbin of history where it belongs. We have to rise to the occasion. We have to fight the good fight. We have to finish the race, and we have to keep the faith. The time for excuses is over. We must get the job done. I will get the job done. God bless you all. Thank you so much. We're doing all 99 counties in Iowa because this caucus demands that you earn it and you got to go meet the folks. So you'll see me everywhere. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Let's win in 2024. All right, so you've had a chance to hear both the former president uh, and the uh, governor of Florida, really the only two relevant candidates in this race, back to back on the same stage in front of the same audience here in Iowa. It's the first time I believe this has happened yet in this campaign, at least the first that I'm aware of. Uh, and who knows how many opportunities uh, we will get further for more of it. So let's assess. Gentlemen, the floor is open. It is all yours. Go ahead. I found that fascinating. Listen, I got a lot of response from my rant last week about DeSantis. Uh, and what I just saw here confirms that I was right. Got people angry. DeSantis is a stiff. He needs help. He doesn't know how to do this. The guy's a pro. He's personality wise. Try to get out of your brain what you know about both men. And you just have to give a score on that day, like you're watching the Food Network and there are two chefs going at each other. Personality-wise, who showed the most personality? It was actually DeSantis. And that should say something about what happened here, because you guys have it wrong. You think DeSantis has got to match Trump? Trump knows he's got to match DeSantis on the substance you, that was a laundry list of... We can disagree on any one particular, okay? But Donald Trump knew he could not come into Iowa and just do the clown show. He had to itemize. He's like, and he told you, I got so much to talk about. We only got 10 minutes, and you got to hear it. And that's the, uh, that's the Donald Trump that Steve Dace used to like a lot, if you could just keep him focused and on message. And then he's so naturally energetic, too. That was, that was a pretty decent Donald Trump I saw t uh, today. I agree. It doesn't necessarily, um, he didn't do anything to just be like, I'm so sick of Donald Trump, I'm going to give my vote to Ron DeSantis. But all of you out there talking about uh, stiff DeSantis, all that stuff, uh, quite frankly, it's just a lie. 
It's a lie you've heard. It's a lie you're telling yourself. This is not, not... You didn't see anything that you haven't seen before if you've wanted to pay attention to Ron DeSantis. He just gave it to you again. It's why I had to give you that lecture this, this last week. You actually got a really good showing from both men. But it is not... It is Donald Trump who realized he had to change his game for Iowa, not Ron DeSantis. And don't lie to yourself about that. Aaron, what were your thoughts? So I had watched both of these prior to knowing that we were going to do this today. And I thought, I thought Donald Trump was Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here so I don't get fined. And Ron DeSantis was, think of a good interview in the sports media, Peyton Manning or, or Andrew Luck, somebody like that. Every time James engages. Franklin does an interview, or James he, Franklin. it's aces. Yeah. Never does a bad interview. I ever. thought that was one of the best like actual speeches that Ron DeSantis has given. He was engaged. He was very energetic. That's maybe the most energetic in a speech that I've heard him. I've also noticed something with DeSantis over the last few weeks. He had gotten into a really just, I'm watching these things carefully, very carefully. And I'd noticed that DeSantis had gotten into this crutch of ums and ahs quite a bit. And he's cleared that up. Uh, and it was it was noticeable and distracting there for a little while. And that was, I mean, he was just on point with everything. He knew where he was going, knew what he was talking about, uh, kind of did the happy warrior uh, type of thing. Uh, whereas to, uh, Trump, especially getting into the polls, it's just like, uh, I got to get through this speech. It, it was monotone. I don't know, man. That was that was a stark contrast in levels of energy that we frankly have not. Trump may be a lot of things, not energetic, at least from what we've known of him when he's in front of a crowd. Not energetic has not been one of those things. So, you know, the dude is, what, 77 years old? I don't know. So I thought on substance they were both pretty strong. I think in terms of energy... You clearly had a uh, a Saul David dynamic there, where you clearly kind of saw Saul on the downward spiral, but he he's still Saul. He still has all those accomplishments prior to this, and I thought that the, I thought this moment was actually a pretty good encapsulation of where the race is and who both men are. A lot of what Trump talked about was what happened in the past. If this is a if the race is about retribution for the past. And injustice of the injustice of the past, Trump will win. DeSantis talked a lot about the future, and I thought this was the best he had done at parlaying his success in Florida to a future message as a president. If it's about the future and who gives us the best chance to secure that, he'll win. If it's about who's best at, ret at providing retribution for the past, Trump wins. I think that was exemplified in in the speeches. I think that they put Trump under a script for fear that he would uh, insult Kim Reynolds if he just went off on his own. And that would just get him wildly booed, I promise you. Uh, and so th I think probably they made the choice that the lesser of two evils was to sound more low energy than to risk getting booed. The low energy, one thing, getting booed is a viral moment you may not recover from. So let's not let's not you know have a Howard Dean scream here. Let's not do that. All right. And so that's probably the right decision that him and his campaign made. But everything that he launched that he that he launched into there for his accomplishments notice those all those things were prior to March 16th of 2020 but all of those are why he's got such a high floor and there's no other republican national figure this century that could come close to matching that and so what what with th that's why they keep having to attack DeSantis despite the so-called polling lead because DeSantis has the higher ceiling and 
in the last week, his campaign has been humming. They've been on message. They're, they've been more in sync as a candidate in a campaign than they have been this entire time. We're not talking from prepared notes where they're just kind of letting it rip. All right. You can see that they're kind of getting they're getting into a groove. Running for president's hard. Not an easy thing to do. And you're going up against somebody who's already done it once successfully. But remember, it took Donald Trump six months to craft the message that would eventually become his political brand. Nobody knew what a MAGA was from January till May in Iowa. No one knew what the hell that was. And neither did Trump. Phrase had never been uttered once. It took time. Now, Donald, now, Ron DeSantis doesn't have six months to get to get warmed up going against Donald Trump. But, you know, you can, you can tell. They've at least had like a preseason game or two, and they're starting to figure it out now. Now you're starting to see, because the worst thing that was going on is people are like, where is the guy that, forget beating Trump, where's the guy that slayed Florida? Now you're seeing that part, right? Now you're seeing that part. And I think that was the first step to getting back on track. But I thought, I thought it, was a, it was an encapsulation of who both men are. Trump represents the past. DeSantis represents the future. And whichever one of those impulses ends up being most in the minds of voters, that candidate will win. All right, we'll come back. Something going on in Ohio that we think you need to know about next. Collective is where you want to call. Who you want to call, where you want to go. If you are paying a CPA, a bookkeeper, payroll, other admin services built specifically for businesses of one, especially if you're making about 60000 in profit a year or more, the Collective can handle all the stuff that is costing you a pile of money for a fraction of those costs. Um, and it handles business formation, compliance, paperwork, taxes, bookkeeping, accounting, even payroll. And if you are set up as an LLC or a sole proprietorship, Collective can elect your S-Corp tax status, which could save you thousands in your taxes as well, maybe on average of $10,000 per year with this kind of a structure. All right, so if you want to get involved with Collective right now, a Collective membership pays for itself within just a few months, and it's also 100% tax deductible. So get involved, collective.com slash Steve. Get an extra $100 off when you go to collective.com slash Steve before September 1st. Do this before September 1st. You get $100 off at collective.com slash Steve. $100 off before September 1st at collective.com slash Steve. Well, several of you in our audience have pinged us uh, about something happening in the state of Ohio that you think deserves attention uh, for our audience here on a national basis. Lizzie Marbach is here from Ohio Right to Life to tell us about just that. Lizzie, welcome to the show. Thank you for the time. Steve, thank you so much for having me on. And may I say happy belated birthday to you? I hope you had a very good weekend. Oh, very sweet. I did. We had a, I mean, I had about the best birthday you could possibly imagine. So I'm very blessed. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Tell us what is so important in your state of Ohio happening here in August. Yeah, so it's really twofold. So in August, August 8th, there's going to be a special election for a ballot initiative. And what the ballot initiative would do, it's called Issue 1. And Issue 1 would elevate the standards that are necessary to amend our Constitution. Right now in the state of Ohio, uh, we can amend our Constitution, a.k.a. fundamentally change our state's guiding document that is supposed to protect our liberties and freedoms by a vote of only 50 percent 
plus one. A simple majority can fundamentally change our state. And so we're trying to elevate those standards so that wealthy out-of-state interest groups cannot come into our state every two years, every other year, uh, like they do in California, and add in this liberal ideology uh, and, and these policies that would not be able to get passed otherwise to our state legislature, they're trying to ram it through through constitutional amendments because they know that that's a loophole. So we're trying to close that loophole by elevating the standards. It would raise the threshold from 50% plus one to 60%. And then it would also ensure that all 88 counties in Ohio had a say on what was actually going on the ballot. So they'd be able to play a part in the petition process. Why is this paramount right now, do you think? Yeah, well, in November, the ACLU, so this this uh, got brought up because we were flagged to the fact that Ohio's amendment or uh, Ohio's constitution is way too easy to amend. We have uh, locations for casinos written into our constitution. That's how easy and predatory it has been to amend our constitution. And this year in November, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood uh, has a ballot initiative that will officially be on the ballot this November and what their amendment would do if passed is it would enshrine abortion all the way up through nine months of pregnancy as well as enshrine the right for minors to get sex change surgeries Hmm. or uh, get hormone suppressing drugs like Lupron. We know that those are extremely dangerous and sterilizing to children. It would allow all of this and it's so far reaching and so uh, radical that the ACLU knows that they can't get it passed through legislature and so they're trying to go through this constitutional amendment route and so that they can manipulate the voters into passing this radical amendment in other words exactly what they did to uh, your rival state michigan last fall that, that that's almost verbatim what they just put into the the michigan constitution by popular referendum last year Yes, exactly. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the same group that was behind the Michigan amendment is also behind the amendment that's happening here in the state of Ohio. The language is almost identical to what uh, happened in Michigan. And so we've we've spoken to our Michigan neighbors about this and how dangerous it is and and that we cannot allow this to pass. If this passes, this will fundamentally change the state of Ohio. It would give state sanctioned murder. put that in into our constitution that is so far beyond what any ohioan is okay with and so we really have to fight this and voting yes on issue one is the first step to do that we must ensure that our constitution is protected uh this november and also going forward the left has also already admitted the uh, mayor of cleveland i believe last week just said that they plan on bringing on an amendment to take away our second amendment rights uh they're also currently in the process of gathering signatures to raise the minimum wage in our constitution as well. And so this affects a multitude of issues. Obviously, working for Ohio Right to Life, the number one issue that I care about is abortion and stopping that from going into our state's founding document. But this really affects voters on a multitude of issues. So whether you are extremely passionate about life, which I would implore you all to be, or if you're a business owner and you uh, care about 
being closed down because you can't afford to pay wages to your employees if the minimum wage goes up. This matters. Issue one matters for every single Ohioan, and we really have to get out there and vote and make sure that everyone is out there protecting our Constitution. Here's why this matters to everybody in our audience that doesn't live in Ohio, Lizzie, is after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, kind of this collective, you know, sigh on our side was, was you know, um, let out, um, exhaled. And because we just smashed, a, you know, a, a major shibboleth of the damned. But they're just shifting now. They, they understand this is now a state-by-state battle. And so they're, they have systematically been looking at various remedies and, and opportunities they have, even in red states. Ohio really is now a red state. It, it's gone from a swing state to a red state. And so they are looking at every single advantage they have to try and use the state process by which to enshrine this. And this is, ha- this is, this is if they haven't gotten to your state yet, that's why I brought up they did this to Michigan last year. If they haven't gotten to your state yet, this is coming. And so everybody probably within the sound of our voices right now, if you haven't even looked yet to see, hey, if we've got referendum and ballot access in our state, I mean, is, is this happening in our state? This looks like something probably everybody then wants to check out to see if they are bringing it to where you live as well. Yeah. And like you said, they plan on bringing this all across the country from state to state wherever they have this ballot initiative process a citizen-led ballot initiative process they plan on doing it i believe they announced that they have plans in 11 other states in 2024 we're the only state in 2023 that has this going on the ballot but they have plans for next year i've uh, definitely heard them mention the state of florida and other uh, red states or uh, purple states where they might have more of a chance they're absolutely going to target each state that they can go after to enshrine abortion. And one of the things that's so frustrating sometimes about our side is, like you said, after Roe versus Wade was overturned, is we let out this collective sigh as though the work was done and like lives were actually protected, but they're not protected yet. And there are still hundreds of thousands of innocent lives that are being taken every single year in this country. And we have to fight, we have to stand up, we cannot get complacent and we have to do the work to actually protect life. If you are pro-life and you claim that you believe that abortion is literally murder, then we should be running to protect our constitutions and running to the ballot box to vote yes on issue one or to do whatever work is necessary in your state to stop this from happening. Because if they get into our state constitutions, that is way more uh, dangerous than any kind of Supreme Court decision could be. We, We were able, by the grace of God, to overturn Roe versus Wade, but to undo a constitutional amendment, that is so far beyond what Roe versus Wade uh, ever was. And so this is extremely serious and we really have to have to take it seriously. If we if we say that abortion is murder, then we need to act like that. All right. So, Lizzie, where can people follow up on this, get more information if they want to? Yeah, if you go to ohiolife.org uh, slash yes on one, we have all of the information there. You can also go to voteyesohio.com, and that has even more information on our Twitter account at Ohio Life. Uh, we, we're steadily posting updates and keeping all of our supporters up to date on there as well. Great stuff. Thank you for alerting us and uh, sounding the alarm for other states around the country that could get a similar invasion. Thank you, Lizzie. God bless. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. You bet.
Hey, there is a podcast out. If you are concerned about the decline of Christian values and influence in the culture, check out the Refocus podcast from Jim Daly. He's the president at Focus on the Family. He's been there uh, for about half of the 40-year history of that esteemed organization. Check out Refocus with Jim Daly. He talks to other experts about sharing your faith and cancel culture, woke politics, things you deal with in these days and times. Check it out on Spotify, Apple, anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, a great resource source that reaches millions of people helping them to share God's truth the refocus podcast with Jim Daly all right we've got about 10 minutes left in the show about eight minutes left in the show and I wanted to set aside enough time because a lot has been discussed here today you guys didn't get a chance in the opening segment to talk uh, because I went too long frankly so I wanted to make sure you guys had uh, ample opportunity on the back end of the program on what you learned today what stood out today even the conversation we just had with Lizzie what say you? But did you happen to see? Uh, I don't recall you mentioning it, but the, the Trump put out a statement a few hours ago on True Social that he won't be in the debate in August. It's being interpreted as such, but again, that, I know there's time there, to yeah, adjust. There, 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 but could what, be, there could be another statement tomorrow. There could be 15. You know, I, I I will believe Donald Trump will not be there when the camera goes on August 23rd and his okay, well, his that, spot well, like, is not on the stage. Yeah, I agree with that. But then, what do you think his purpose is in putting out in this moment? What? Why now? What's he trying to say? So you're referencing, you put something out on Truth Social, you know, maybe I'll just not be there. Something like I'll not be there and see who wants to be my my vice president. Be my vice president. Yeah, okay. A a troll, you know, a a trial balloon. Well, that, yeah. Lots of of different things. Lots of different things. That's what I, at the very least, I think that's what it is. Which, again... It, it speaks to what I said in my analysis of what I thought about both of their uh, speeches. I, 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 all this, this entire notion that he thinks he's ahead by 30 points is not played out by his own actions, in my estimation. I, I don't think he fully uh, believes it. He, he's trying to figure out whether he really needs to be here or not. That's not the kind of leadership that's going to get him uh, better people this time around than last time, and it's uh, also the kind of leadership that's gonna not going to get him through COVID the next time around when he's doing this in the air. That, that to me, is clearly what he's doing. Going back to the issue we just talked about, these types of opportunities, and yes, it is an opportunity, these types of opportunities in Ohio are a test of whether you're a citizen yes. or a word that rhymes with sit is in, okay? Oh, if you can't get yourself to the polls on an August 8th day, what's that? that's a week from tomorrow, and make sure at least five of your friends either coming with you or are going yourself. Uh, if, you don't, if you're not able to do that or don't have the will to do that, you may be a lot of things. A citizen would not be one of them. This is an ultimate test of citizenship. Can you go to the polls and check a box to save lives? Can you do that? Now, in Kansas, as, as I remember, I think it was last year, they had a similar type of, uh, of deal go down, and Kansas failed that test. Now, fortunately, they have a pretty darn good attorney general in that state, and Chris Kobach. Um, but we're going to have a lot of these, as you were saying, Steve. Can our side, and how Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, 
Vivek, if you want to, why don't you go? Why don't you go it's to his o- state? Live, live in Ohio it's for the Vivek, next week. That's where Raise Vivek actually issue. does live. This is an opportunity for any of these campaigns to get a notch on their belt, a big win. That's what they should be doing, because ultimately this is a test of citizenship. Can we do this? I'm going to be interested to see if we can. Just got an email from uh, a gal in our audience. Michelle says that uh, she saw these sorts of things, uh, uh, these kinds of petitions in Florida, too. So this is clearly a systemic plan across the board by the other side on the debate stuff. And, and I'm sure we will discuss this way more than we should between now and August 23rd. But when you are the perceived front runner, there is a risk to you in showing or not. And what you're trying to weigh is what's the greater risk. Like I, like I said earlier this hour, what was the greater risk for Trump? To be seen as low energy, reading off a script, but staying away from getting into a personal attack against Kim Reynolds that he probably otherwise couldn't restrain himself from, or getting booed off the stage for attacking Kim Reynolds, because that's what would have happened. And they clearly made the calculation, we'll just be low energy tonight and get through without going to war with Kim Reynolds. And that's the that's the calculus they're doing right now is it's the bigger risk to be to get upstage to risk being upstaged by Ron DeSantis or to just you know play it off like this is not that big of an event that comes with you know it it is a major risk to give Ron DeSantis a solo shot at the at at, at the debate audience without Donald Trump well I'm gonna and I've already seen this from some DeSantis accounts well all the other candidates are getting getting up on him guys so, I mean, with all due respect, man, if Ron DeSantis can't can't defeat the ganging up of Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, and Vivek Ramaswamy, what are we even doing here? And let's go ahead and start donating to Donald Trump's legal defense our freaking selves. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if if that's you, don't even tweet stuff like that. It's weak. It, it's like you're you're. It's like I can smell the the pheromones, except they're they're not alluring. Um, they are um, they are limping. Okay, if your concern is, I don't know, everybody else will gang up on him. The G team of the Republican Party will gang up on its future star. Oh, heaven, it's the Betsy's. What will we ever do? I mean, seriously, if you are worried that because if Trump didn't run again or was in office, Ron DeSantis would be up there. Right. Mm -hmm. And the same thing would be happening anyway. Right. He's the front runner with no Donald Trump in the race. So let's get busy living, get busy dying. What are we doing here? If you can't beat Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley, then you're just not who we think you are or hope you might be. Uh, so I don't I don't see there's any risk there for Don, Ron DeSantis at all. If I'm Ron DeSantis, it's 100 percent. I get a free shot at the people of America and the rest of these guys couldn't hold my jock strap. They haven't done anything that I've done. And I look forward to Donald Trump giving me a, a, a night with the tomato cans just to slug them around, you know, like Manny Pacquiao for a night in front of 15 million people. I, I would think that's the bigger risk. Because you can see that DeSantis campaign is beginning to get its mojo and beginning to establish a footing and, and, and messaging and discipline. And I, I mean, I, I tend to believe in the theory of solving your problems with aggression. It's not 100 percent. But I mean, I'd, I'd go out there and try to put him down now rather than giving him a free shot in front of 15 million people just to keep building more momentum. But, you know, I'm not a billionaire. So go on out. We'll see you again tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.